0: I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and I'm pleasing Him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. And that word is coming expressly to everyone today in Jesus' name. Even if you are far from here, you are streaming. Whichever time, this word will come to you expressly in Jesus' name. It will enter your heart. It will give you light. It will give you direction. It will heal you in every area. And that one excites me a lot these days. It will heal you in every area. Amen. There are two ways healing happens. The first one is that it's dramatic. One moment it is there, next moment it is gone. And the Lord will do that for somebody in Jesus' name. Amen. Another way is that it's initially you start feeling better. After a while you forget. Three weeks later you remember I used to be sick. And you realize you have not felt that illness in the last three weeks. You start remembering, what day was that that I was here last? Is the Spirit of God doing the same thing? Except that this time, it's more gradual than the first one. But whichever one, at the end of the day, total health is your portion. In the name of Jesus Christ. I said, total health is your portion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Before you see that, remember, we pay the Lord something. We must pay something. Remember that? We must pay. It's not free like that. But you know, he so said, buy without money yes. and without cost. How can you buy? And you see, say, you don't pay anything. What they were just saying is, you will buy, but the payment is not cash, it's something else. And for us, it is what? He yes. said, My son, attend to my words, incline your ears to my saying. Some people, when they start you know, listening to a preacher, the first thing they want to check is how good is his diction. They want to analyze, is it a, is it, is it from the, what's the name of this, uh, this school of theology? Uh, maybe they tell you that, is it, oh, a Calvinist, thank you very much. Is it a Calvinist? They yeah, are checking whether, uh, how does it, does it, is it Pentecostal? Does it believe in the, one day somebody asked me, do you believe in the, ah, there's one where they asked me that, day, the, the dispensational teaching of Jesus Christ. I said, what? That was my first day of hearing that expression, that the dispensational teaching of Jesus Christ. You understand? I, I was surprised. I said, oh, what do you mean? That something Jesus Christ said before, they don't apply now. I said, of course, it's common sense. You don't need to belong to any school. For example, he healed somebody. He said, go and show yourself to the priests and give them the sacrifice that Moses commanded you. And So if I pray for somebody, in Enugu go and he gets healed. I said, go and buy a two turtle doves. And will I say that? I said, of course, there are some things. You just look at the context in which he spoke. So some people, look, what they want to just check when you start preaching is which school of thought do you belong to? Such people don't get much. Let me just say something quickly. It's not a useful and it's not a necessary um, attitude in life. For one thing, you're not going to agree with anybody 100% on anything. There's a trick I, I use. God help me with that. If I listen to you, if you say something that I think is very off, I'll bust into laughter. As soon as I finish saying your off thing, I go back to listen to the rest of the things they are saying. It's only when you make offness your habit. You know what they call offness? You're always off. You finish preaching and say that this preaching I preach today, except you tie it with an offering, God will not respond. If you say that three times, four times, I will, I will start ignoring you because there's no point provoking my soul all the time. As a preacher, I know. <laughs> At the time, I used to time him and to time somebody. When he starts preaching, I'm observing him. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm timing. The other one he gets like 45 minutes, he will switch. I'll be enjoying him. Then once he starts, I know it has reached. He has reached the contract stage. I just, um, you, know, you know, the contract stage. The reason he came on air. The reason he came to the church. He had, he had a lot of truth in his head, but once he gets to a particular point, I just switch off. The point I'm making is that look, you have to practice that in life. So sometimes you get a preacher, there are some things you fundamentally understand and therefore disagree with him concerning. Just look over that areas. Just overlook them. And then focus on the areas where the good word is coming from, from the man. Do you follow what I'm saying? There are people I quote for you. You'll be surprised the major, some major disagreements you have. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised some areas where we seriously disagree. He says A, B, I say, Oga, the Bible says X, Y. It's, it's my senior, it's not my personal friend. I get them in his messages and his books. Get to that point. If if you see some of those books and I read them, if they're my copies, I will circle some areas, put a few scriptures, explain to whoever read the book after me. It's my book, so I can write on it why I disagree. But the point I'm making is that I say, go ahead and I enjoy the more the much. Of the person that I can enjoy it. I won't wait for you to agree with me 100%. Alright? Before I enjoy you. So, if you are listening to us, forget those small areas where we don't agree. You know what I actually think? <laughs> you are the one that is wrong. <laughs> 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 yes, you know. So, as long as you're sure. Of course, if I wasn't sure, you don't think I would change my mind. You think I like being wrong? Any area that I doubt myself, I've gone to do my study. Do you understand? So you think you're 100% right? Based on the general principle of modesty, the answer is no. (laughs) But sometimes, what I just know is that there will be an area where I'm not right, definitely. And those areas, I avoid talking about them. One of our sisters asked me the other day, do you believe, well, she didn't use the words, but what she said is that, are you predispensational Or No, pre-tribulation or post-tribulation. When will Jesus Christ come? I said, I don't know. That was my answer. I said, will Jesus Christ come before the tribulation or after the tribulation? I said, I don't know. I said, but whichever time he will come, let us be ready. She said, amen. I said, that's all I know. People have asked me all kinds of questions. I'll tell you, I don't know. What did Jesus mean when he said this? I said, bros, I've been reading reading that thing for a long time. I don't understand it yet. That is how I behave. Alright? So anyway, what I was just trying to say is that just pay attention. Focus on the word of God. Focus on the clear sides. Don't focus on the areas that are not so clear. They take away your faith. Focus on the areas that are clear. If I tell you Jesus is Lord, do you want me to explain it? It's not necessary. If I tell you he rose again from the dead, if you don't believe it, you are not a Christian. And when he rose again from the dead... He, he, he took you with him. So by that rising, he took you out of death and he brought you into life. If you want to argue with that, I really think you have a problem. Because even if we were wrong, you should want to believe that even if we're not sure, you should try and believe the one that favors the righteousness of God in your life now. Is that not so? It amazes me sometimes when people will sit down to prove that God does not heal today. I can't understand that. Can I just sit on that for one moment? Why will you spend your energy to prove that God does not heal today. What do you gain? Should I tell you what it is? Pride. I mean that the way I said it. It's pride. You say, what is pride? Because the person tried to get healed before. I, I hope I get what i say. And he didn't get it or she did not get it. So the conclusion is that I did everything right. The only issue is that God refused. Because he doesn't do it anymore. Have you ever seen, of course, you hear it all the time. A young man cannot make it in this country. Have you ever heard a successful young man say that? It's all the frustrated, confused, and those who have never tried, you know, the layabouts, what they call NFA. No future ambition. No future aspiration. Nothing. They're the ones that will sit and say, nothing is working. Nothing is working. You will never hear somebody... There are people who are doing well. God is blessing them. Occasionally, you hear them complain about their struggles, but they will not tell you nothing works because they have made these things work. But when you see some people say that all the time, what they are trying to say to you is that all the effort I put in, if I was in a perfect country, I would have been very rich by now and successful. So they blame it on what? The country. It's the same thing when you see people sit down and prove to you and argue. It's pride. It's pride. Sometimes, okay, let me add another one to you. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes you see the promises of God. I'm going to share about that briefly. Many times you have to fight for them. They make demands for the promise of God to be fulfilled. You fight. The fight is not against flesh and blood. No, it's not. You're not fighting against people. You are fighting strongholds in your heart. You are fighting forces of unbelief around you. You are fighting satanic voices speaking to you every day. Listen to me. It can be tiring. And many times it's easier to just give up on things. And you find it easier like that. The knowledge of God's promises many times. It puts a kind of spiritual burden upon you. It puts a kind of spiritual responsibility on people. Listen, when you discover promises, if you are praying rightly, you know, there are crazy prayers. But if you are play, praying rightly, when you discover God's promises, you pray some more. It puts a burden of prayer upon you. It puts a burden of, let me use the expression, please follow me, all right? Don't just run away with this, I will explain it. It puts a burden of disappointment on you. What I mean is this. There are times you hope for something that doesn't come. Then you go back and pray. Why do you think Elijah kept on telling the servant, go and look again? He didn't expect him to go seven times. He expected him to see the first time. I hope you're getting my point. So he told the man, go and look. The servant went there and came back. Nothing. Ah, The man bent over again and began to pray. I told the servant, go and look. That one went and looked. He said, oh God, nothing. Elijah said, eh, nothing. No. He knelt down again, put his head between his knees and continued to pray. He didn't stand and stroll up and down. I believe he put himself in a difficult position. And he was groaning in the spirit. Told the man, go and look again. That one looked the third time. He said nothing. Elijah said, we will fight here and die here. <laughs> That's what I mean by the burden of disappointments. The burden of disappointments. The first time you try, it doesn't work. But the word of God is very dangerous. It makes sure you must, oh God, you must live through those disappointments and eventually overcome. Elijah said, "Go and look again." The man came back and said, "God, nothing. Ah, what is going on?" Elijah said, "It is what it will take that we will give to it." If you speak your Bible, I just give you a proverb there. It is what it will take that we will give it. He went back to prayer. He did not change his method. Some will say, prayer is not working. This is Nigeria. It is time to call somebody. <laughs> Elijah, Elijah, Elijah didn't say that. He said, no. This prayer, we fight here and die here. Sixth time, the man came back. What is going on? Nothing. Ah, Elijah said, okay. He put his head down and prayed. and said, boy, go and look. The seventh time. He said, okay, wait till, wait till, wait till. I think I'm seeing something. Okay, it's nothing, it's nothing. So what what is this? He wanted to look like a cloud, but this is too small. Describe it. He said, okay, I think it's a cloud, but it's about the size of a man's fist, and it's coming from to around the east over there. Elijah said, listen, my friend, my friend, move, move, move. It's time. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's what I mean by the burden of disappointment. Listen, if you are not believing God, you were not hoping for anything. Do you follow my point? I mean, the the knowledge of God, eh, I have noticed something. Depending on how you understand it, we preach it, which is true, that it gives you rest, and it does. But in the midst of godly rest, there's a kind of godly unsettlement it puts in your soul. There are things you see, and you say, no, must it be like this? You see some things, you just get disturbed that this is not what we are believing God for. Lord, must it be this way? No, after having thought about it, it is not supposed to be this way. Then what do you do? You go back to praying. You know, Ken Hagin used to tell a story. Those days, before the healing revival broke out in the U.S., around the end of the Second World War, he said there are times he would find himself on his knees, near, because he was not a rich man, so he didn't have a very, a house that is warm all over, so the cold season it, parts of the house that he could warm. So, to get the a warm place to pray. He goes near his fireplace in his living room, what we call our sitting room in Nigeria. So he'll wake up there during the night. I won't know when he got there. He won't remember leaving his bed. He tries to remember. He doesn't know. He knows he was on his bed, but somewhere along during the night, he rose up and came over to pray and he knelt down the warm place he could find and he will pray and pray until he will fall asleep only to wake up later and find himself there, not remembering when he came over there. And this will happen again and again and again and again. Until one day the word of prophecy came. And the Lord said to him that by a particular time there is going to be an outbreak of revival in the land. And listen to me. Such a voice is already speaking over Nigeria. Such a voice is already speaking over this nation. Such a voice is already speaking over Africa. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It's going to break over this whole continent. Yes. It's a rain of blessings, a rain of revival. People will turn to the Lord. I don't mean, see, first of all, you will hear churches scatter. Listen to me. Listen. Scandals every day. You, for those of you who do Facebook, you will face all kinds of books of scandals. Churches will split. You will hear one pastor left his wife and married another woman. The other woman came and told one stay, One woman will bring children at the pastor. The pastor of her dad. don't worry about it. Let not your heart be troubled. It was happening before. It's just that now God will now say, release the gist. Why? I want to scatter people. When the Lord comes, don't think he always comes with what looks like peace. Like I said to you, he comes with peace quite all right. But in the midst of his peace, there's a lot of unsettlement. You said, I need to separate the chaff from the, the wheat. I need to remove the goats from amongst the sheep. I need to, you know, because you have a fake revival. The largest Christian congregations on a regular Sunday in a country like uh, in, in our continent, they are not Christians. I'm not joking about it. They mention the name of Christ, they sing praise worship. You know, someone I used to watch on TV a lot. My wife said, You yeah, are watching your friend again. I said, I'm trying to locate him. I found him hard to place. Until a prophet said, the chief priest of Africa, that's the guy. Oh, what did he give that? He said, no, he said, the biggest false prophet of Africa, that is the fellow. I said, eh. I said, I, like, I always, always, like we say, I always suspect that his way is not pure. <laughs> I always suspect that his way is not pure. I used to look at him funny. If I was confused me at the time was something he did outside the continent, that really caused me confusion. But then I trusted what the, that prophet said. That, he mentioned his name. gave us his name. said that one. He said, a great false prophet of Africa. Many people that you see, all right, gathering large congregations in our nation and outside this country, on this continent, right now. A large number of them are nothing but occultists. Babala was the suits. That's what they are. They join cults. They join, they go to shrines, all kinds of places. To go and collect power. What do they want to do with power? To tell you what is inside your pocket. To tell the kind of car you drove in when you were coming. To persuade those who don't understand spiritual things. That, you know, they have power. The fact that you can see. And I don't know about the rest. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I think in the East, it's all like that. But Western Nigeria is very strong. The people who go to church to, to go and meet the pastor that can see. They are always looking for the pastor that can see. You know they call see? I know you have normal eyes. That's not what with me. Like one pastor said <laughs> that when his friend went to open a church somewhere in Undo, in Ondo town itself, that's years ago, people will come. Especially the women, they will come, just put sign there and ring bell a few times. They are looking for prayer house. They come to test whether you have power. You will kneel. They will kneel down and ring bell and pray for you and do everything. And then the women will open their eyes. Baba, what did you see? That one was a genuine Christian, a genuine man of God. He was confused for a long time until he understood what was going on. Oh, so he had a Initially, he would tell them, nothing. I just prayed for you. You can go. It shall be well with you. They will not come back. Then one day, he got the G. said, eh, is it like that? No problem. When they come and he will pray, ring the bell if necessary, uh, speak in tongues at the end of the day. He said, what did you see? He say? He mm, said, I see that you have not repented. I see that you are still committing sin. I see that the soul that sins, it shall die. If you want vision, I will give it to you. (laughs) But that was not what they were expecting. They were expecting the vision of who is doing me. Who is doing this to me? Listen, that's why a lot of people get up. A lot of young ministers, two things make them, of course, basically one thing, the the quest for success. All right? But two ways I was going to say. One, they want the church to be big. This is the only thing they do is ministry. Number two, they need to have money. I mean, school fees is not going down. Cost of things, you know, going up. Rice, beans, oil. And then somebody will come and counsel them. You are still here. And the man counseling them, they began ministry together. Now his own church is big. And he comes with a nice car. And obviously living here, you can see his skin, you know he's eating well. Even if you stole the money, when you are eating good food, God is really patient. It is showing your body. The law will let it show for some time. It's when he has brought the judgment that it will be gravel, <laughs> both in your mouth and in your veins. <laughs> so this man will show you to him how he succeeded. Ah, why he take drum? Follow me. And I've heard of, te- I've at least one person I have in mind, I think, or two, who have been invited to such places. Follow me. You don't. Know, and once he has gone there and seen them, you see some people that you know, you see their billboards and their noise everywhere. They want to initiate him into how they draw the crowd. This happens every time. Why am I giving you all of this so that you will be patient with God when he's judging these things? I'm not just trying to make you angry or give you, you know, gossip. I want you to understand that he has to judge it. He has to. He will guard his sword, like David said, upon his thigh, and he will ride prosperously and in majesty because of truth. And his right hand will do awesome things. And when his right hand is doing awesome things in that regard, he's not doing nice things. He's not just killing Boko Haram. He will do that. He's not just killing bandits. He will turn around and begin judgment in what looks like the house of God. So that is why you will see scatter. Ah, I hope, are you getting my point? You will see, you will see, don't be, if anybody wants to laugh at you, say, look at your people. You say, leave it. We're handling our matter. Our God is judging his house. He's cleaning it. And when he's done with cleaning, we do a lot of cleaning. You know? So number like, see, God is not impressed by the number of churches. You know, if you're a pastor, start counting number, preach your message and check. Is it good? When I say good now, is it in line with the word of God? Did I call people to repentance? Did I? Did I call people to repentance? Did I improve anybody listening to me? Is he gonna be a better Christian? All right, in you know, Christ likeness than before or his life is going to remain the same, or it's going to get worse. Be honest. Pray over such things. Play your messages back in your head. What was the main thing I was trying to say? Was I, was I trying to teach them to succeed? Why their soul is not improving? When you preach like that, your church grows bigger. I told you once I watched a church preach on TV. And I, I told my wife we were together. Is this Nigeria? Beautiful church. They were all black people. The accent, you know, clean English, but you know, if an, if a Nigerian is speaking clean English, you see, as a Nigerian, clean, you know, there's something about Nigeria in it. Uh So, everything looked Nigerian, but the church was too fine. I said, this is not in Nigeria. First, the church itself was fine. Then, no matter how church, how fine your church is, if the camera is not as fine, you could spoil the whole work. And if the camera is fine and the station broadcasting is not as fine, everything is spoiled again. But this one was fine from the beginning to the end. Thank God my television was fine enough to see it. Beautiful. Then, after a while, I told my wife, did you notice that you've not heard the name Jesus once? No reference made to God the Father. What you heard was about customers. Customers corporate responsibility, attention to service, seven keys to penetrating new and emerging markets. And I didn't use that one. The one that just added it to embellish. <laughs> so by the time I watched that for some time, I told my wife, look at it. We are together. I said, have you noticed that? I said, that's the problem. Is the church fine? Of course, very fine. Is the man handsome? Fine guy like this. He has a fine name. And so people are very fine. Their name, not fine. So you hear their name, you are waiting to see them. You see them, nothing." This man had everything complete. Find church, find name, find guy. This is his wife, I can assure you. The wife too was fine. But he heard this message. Can't repeat it. You know, Jesus will sit down and say, is this my church? You know, ask the next guy, please, is this a church or a mosque? Which one? I just, I'm looking for my people. Because this guy doesn't sound like my guy at all. That, you know, the funny part, it draws a large congregation because people come to church because of what they want to get. And listen to the word of God. They will scatter. I'm happy did you didn't say, man, you don't want them to scatter. I'm just letting you know that when it starts, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. You will see churches built with hundreds of millions of naira. Six weeks after dedication, it will collapse. A prayer I pray all the time is that it will not happen like the one that happened. Was it, was that Uyo or Calabar? The day they were dedicating it and consecrating the man of God something. It came down and killed scores of people. At the time I was teaching students on, on how to manage, there's a medical management of what we call mass disasters and mass casualties. I took pictures from there to show them. See, my beings got squeezed out of them in an instant, lying all over the floor. I felt bad. I felt very, very bad. I only prayed to the Lord that such things, do them Sunday evening, you know? no Monday. You know why pastors tend to take a break? You know, they work on Sundays. So their, holy, their weekends tend to include, like, Monday and Tuesday. So I said, Lord, those, those are good days. You spare the people. But such things will happen again and again. I want you to understand that. Because God cannot allow things with wrong foundations and faulty pillars to stand forever. He doesn't give a good message to the generations of the earth. So what he does is that sometimes they will flourish for a while. Then he will judge them. And he has to judge them first before there will be an outbreak of revival. What you have been seeing in large things gathering all over our continent is not what God is doing. It's a prelude. That is his distractions. When you see him do something, God wants to talk to, God is coming down to talk to Elijah. The rock will break. The Lord is not there. You see wind everywhere. People are having congregational you know, praise and worship. Whoa, Wind. Our God is a God of wind. <laughs> Our God is a God of rock. Our God is a God of fire. Three things that Elijah saw, took a look and said God is not there. Then finally he heard a gentle whistle. He listened again. He covered his head and bowed down and began to talk to the Lord. Quietly, all the noise whether it was God that did it to or Satan that wanted to distract him. And one of the things that the Lord woke me up one day, I believe, I thought I would just rose up to pray and study. But by the time I just oh, let me read this portion of the Bible. By the time I was done with reading that portion, I became afraid for myself. When I say afraid for myself is this. I realized that one major thing you must learn how to do in life is to focus on the things you are supposed to focus on. Because Elijah, when he was leaving, Elisha asked him, Well, he asked Elisha, what should I do for you? Elisha said, I want double, you know, portion of your anointing. And the man said, what you have said, asked is very difficult. Now, this is how you are going to get it. If you see me as I go. And now, listen to this. When he said that, you remember, was it before or after, that he had told him, listen, I'm going somewhere. Stay here. And the man said, no, I'm going to come with you. Do you remember that? I'm going to Gilgal. No. I'm going to look at the story again quickly to get it right. Second Kings chapter 2, he said to him, they were in Gilgal. He said, I want to go to Bethel. Stay here. The man said, I will not leave you. When they got to Bethel, he went ahead and told him, um, I'm going on to Jericho. The Lord has sent me there. The man said, I will not leave you. Then those ones came, the sons of the prophets at Jericho. He said, you are aware that the Lord is going to take your master from you today. He said, I know. No, Keep quiet. Don't distract me. Maintain your peace. Elijah said, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. I'm in verse 6 now. And he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Then, of course, more sons of prophets saw them. Okay, no, just one, they were just watching. Now, where I want again, verse 9. It came about, after they had crossed over, you know, that was Jordan. Elijah asked Elisha, what do you want me to do for you before I'm taken away? He said, now I want you to hand over to me double portion of your spirit. And the man said, you have asked a hard thing. Verse 10, now, nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it came about that they were going along. Now, before we read verse 11, can you just look up for a moment? Let me ask you a question. Just answer from the crowd. What took Elijah up into heaven? Just answer me if you know it. Chariots of fire. Who else? What else? Whirlwind. Yes. You know, most people get it wrong. They keep on saying chariots of fire. <laughs> That's as a said, look up. You know, it's a very common misconception. He went up in a whirlwind. Well <laughs> you can read it. Verse 11. And it came about as they were going along and talking that behold, There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. I wanted you to know, the chariot of fire was the last distraction that Elisha had to overcome. He overcame first the distraction of people who were telling him stories. Ogar, they go to deal. Ogar started by saying, stay here, I'm coming. He overcame that one. Those who say, "Oh, guy is going, oh, guy is going," oh, then finally, boss man said, "What do you want?" He said, "I want a double portion." I said, boss man now said, "Listen, this is how you will get it. Pay attention, pay close attention, which I've been doing all the while." So the man doubled on his attention. A chariot of fire and horses of fire came, separated them. That was the last instruction. The man said, "Horse or no horse, fire or no fire." I must continue to focus on a guy at the top. You get my point. I believe he saw him, of course, he saw him go up, go up in the whirlwind. Well now, when I read this, I realized that what God was saying is this. There's a focus that is necessary on certain things for the power of God to actually be released onto a generation. And I can assure you, many of the things we are focused on as a church, they have been nothing but distractions, glorious distractions, but distractions are the same. Did you hear what I said? Yes, Glorious distractions. But distractions are the same. After all, the Lord is the one coming. They will go home and say, oh boy. Hey, hey. When the Lord got off from his throne, everywhere shook. Man, I, I died for cover. I was under one boulder. The boulder almost fell on me, but an angel held it up. Oh God, the presence of God is wonderful. Tonight we are going to have the presence. Get ready for shaking. Uh, borders will shake. And we are feeling happy. Yeah. The choir begin to sing. Go, go, go. Yeah, he's shaking, shaking, he's shaking, he's shaking, he's falling. Elijah looks the Lord is not in this thing so. He said, fire, 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 fire. Did they hear that breeze? Ooh, ooh. Elijah is looking at everybody. said the Lord is not in this thing so. Then you go to a place where nobody is talking. There's no shaking. There's no fire. There's nothing. Everybody is silent. And the word of God is coming straight, smoothly. And they say, that man, no, they see. Do you get my point? You want somebody who will say, ah, as you're approaching, I saw fire burning from the left and the right. I used to hear prophecies that when I hear them, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that people are impressed. One day, one woman on TV was speaking say, your star is about to rise. Some people are not happy. I feel like saying, is that a revelation? Now, why do you speak as if you have discovered something that we did not know before? I see oppression in your family. If you are not in Christ, every family is oppressed. I don't want to hear this nonsense again. Listen to me. If you are not in Christ, whether you know it or you don't know it, you are under oppression. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Why do you think Jesus came to die? Everybody was under oppression. It's called the domain of darkness. In fact, the more oppressed you are, the more at peace you feel. Because Satan has so tied everything, there's no need to scare you again. So there's no revelation. When you are saying, I see oppression in your family. African family. (laughs) They were born oppressed. What's your problem? Now imagine you go to a slave, a slave family in America does this or a descendant of slaves. Say, I see oppression around you. Say, bros, look at my skin. You don't need to, you don't need vision. i, I my father arrived there as a slave. You don't need vision and revelation. I hmm, I perceive you are oppressed. I'm not oppressed, I'm a slave. Is that it? Forget this truth. Everybody that's not born again is a slave of Satan. Come on, find me another revelation. You see, and people are impressed. And I saw witches, witches, seven of them, witches. I saw them. And I looked like, uh huh. You know what to make me laugh? You not see them. Hey, who has long you see the women on TV. They remove their scarf. Hey, hey, Daddy, <laughs> Papa. <laughs> They'll be twisting and turning. And you're like, excuse me, this impresses you. Mound, I don't care whether it's straw also. It doesn't, to me, it's irrelevant. Oh, myself, the Lord carried me, that's how they speak the English. The Lord carried me into the spirit. And I saw in the center of the sea where they tied this woman. Ha! Say, Daddy, it is true. (laughs) In case you don't know, Every believer is tied. Every, every. If you are not, th- you are not tied now, you'll be tied tomorrow. You're already tied, but you'll find out tomorrow. Just go one wrong church. When, when I hear those money, I'll just be looking and say, this impresses you? This impresses you? One my one day I saw him on TV. So I will you'll, you'll call, him. hey, you come, you come. I see you in your family. That this one. You are this one, this one, and your star is about to shine. But one man is fighting it. And I want to tell you, today, it is over, it is over, it is over, it is over. It is over. It is over. It is over. And the one will fall far behind. <laughs> Call the next person. <laughs> you know, your village. Your father was not rich, your grandfather, you are the first person to come out, but they are not happy. It's an African village. They can never be happy. There's nothing new. Then you will say something and say, I want you to know today, it is over, it's over. I said, what is over? Hatred is over. It can't be over. You now start rising like that laying on her hands. is what one man of God used to call empty hands on empty heads. <laughs> As for the falling, he said that he pushed you. And you need you the peace of God so you don't break your neck. You go, go, <clears throat> papa, of ground, where they go. You know not so say they go catch you. The catchers are available. The next thing the man began to miracle. That was when I said, Chief, I told my wife, you know, and Israel is his friend, you know, Israel and him. <laughs> I said, This is your guy. He you doesn't look at the guy funny. So one day I saw him doing the first miracle I saw him do, apart from this, it's over, it's over, is over. He was not doing a miracle that two other men have done on the same person. <laughs> I told my wife. Don't worry. This is not revelation to me. I've been seeing it for a long time. Because once you start... Look, this is how you know you are a false prophet. I'm not talking to those of you, the people who are prophets. Some of them don't know they are false. Let me let you know when you are false. Once you sit down, and you're always analyzing the source of somebody's problem. And that source is never him or her. Always somebody else. Just know you are a false prophet. I know you did not know. I'm helping you. Change your school of prophets. You were in a wrong school. They taught you... Magic. African uh, uh, Afro Asian, you know, juju, that's what they taught you. Expired type, not even the modern one. That not know they work again. That one doesn't make, make anybody rich. The real one, modern one at least, is to give you Bitcoin. You know? The, those old ones, they don't <laughs> they don't produce anything. Change your school of prophets. Give your life to Christ first, then get baptized, then go to another school of prophets. This is how you know you are fake. Anytime you pray for somebody, listen, you will see the vision, but the vision is always the cause of the individual's problems, always, and it's never that person that's responsible. You are false. Your visions are fake. If you are really seeing things, then you are being granted, you know, spiritual Photoshop by evil spirits. They are available. No demons no, act drama. Do you know that? Sometimes God says, who won't act drama? One demon more, will say, me. What kind of drama will you act? I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And God said, Micaiah, come and see them act drama. So Micaiah stayed with the Lord. And he saw all of their acting drama. Evil spirits. But when they looked on the earth, you see prophets prophesying under inspiration. How be it false inspiration? And he said to Ahab, why not? You go there. You will conquer, you will win, you will return. Machia said, unless I am not a prophet. Of course, you know you have died there. They act drama. I wanted to know. Once, the Lord did that another time, but the Bible didn't give us a full account. But I can tell you, Saul was going out to the witch of Endor. So they said, who will deceive him so he can go and die on the mountains of Gilboa? Once, spirit said, "Hi." Hey. The Lord said, what will you do? He said, I will pretend to be Samuel. I will remove his spirit. He will become weak. He will not be able to fight. God said, go ahead. So Saul got there. And one spirit went into the Hollywood closet in the realm of the spirit. They gave him clothes that looked like that of Samuel. He wore hair like Samuel and began to crawl towards. The, remember Saul didn't see anything. The witch of Endor saw everything. Say, said, what do you see? See, I, see an old man. It's coming up. He was acting. People say it's so. God granted somewhere. I said, Trust me, God didn't. It. it was a spirit acting drama. They do. Some of those dramatics that they get involved in, prophets will not see them and prophesy to vulnerable people. And they will be impressed. I don't understand. I hear some of those prophecies. I'm surprised enlightened Christians can be carried by them. You know why? Because even if they were true, I don't know whether I get my point, even if they were true, even if they were true and accurate in what the people saw, they are of no consequence in your life. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm like, what is impressing you? You know, there's something knowledge like does for you. You know, once I was sleeping, early morning days of Ebola. One of our brothers, I was still sleeping. I, I, I used to sleep really late. Then, as a habit, then I sleep late into the morning. So, if you call me by 6 a.m., by my cl- mental timing, it's early. He called me around 6 because, for him, the kind of work he does, he has to get out of the house on time. So, for him, 6 a.m., every adult is awake. Doesn't know that me, I see have like one complete hour to complete that morning sleep. So, I looked at him. Ah, I thought it was an emergency. I answered. Good morning, sir. Ah, boy, how are you doing? Sorry for waking you up. It's okay. Must be an important issue. Say, yes, sir, please. Everybody said they should use salt and water to bathe, so that Ebola will not catch them. I just said, nonsense. He said, thank you, sir. I hung the phone. I went back to sleep. When I now woke up fully later, I saw the, all the salt in the gate. <laughs> salt everywhere gone. People were basing and basing and basing. Now, you know why most people did that? Because they felt that it's a cheap remedy. It's just salt in water. It's a very cheap remedy that even if the chances of it working is only 1%, it's worth the effort. What if it is not true? I would not have lost anything. But if it's true, I would have gained everything. Which, by the way, is how they deceive people. Little to lose, much to gain. Once I told my wife, I said, you don't understand. That little is the reason why they are playing the game. They want to make a fool of you. They know you will think it's little to lose, much to gain. Now, why did I not fall for that at all? Just basic understanding of what viruses are, how they are transmitted, what Ebola does, what he doesn't do. I didn't understand how on earth, how basing in salt could do anything. So even if it's going to cost nothing, I wouldn't base anybody in my house with salt. And I I mean, that is the cost of the salt, even if it's 20 naira. To me, it's too expensive for such tomfoolery. Knowledge. That's what I'm making. So sometimes when I see some of those things, I consider It's okay, please, this is your vision you have seen. Even if you were 100% accurate in what you saw, how does it affect my life? Okay, there are seven witches from seven nations gathered in a house that has seven rooms, burning seven candles each for seven days, and they are calling my name. So, have I answered them? Does that not tell you I can't hear it? They are trying to attack you. They have been trying now. You think it's today? If they had the power, me and you wouldn't be talking. They would have succeeded long ago. So what is this? uh, That is why you have been having problems. There are only three reasons Christians have problems. One, ignorance. Two, they are walking in sin. Three, they are going to the trial of their faith. In none of this, we're killing witches. alter anything. Everybody has problems. Everybody. Sometimes when I see people believing those theatrics, you know, it just amazes me. It's amazing. I find them amazing. Let me get back to where I began from. People go to church looking for these things. God will shut all those places down. I keep on saying, you know the Babalao? You know the interesting part about him? He will survive longer. Or the DBAs in the villages, they will. You know why? God does not in any way, He's not particularly angry with them. They are not pretending to be Christians. They don't carry a Bible. They don't call the name of Jesus. Nobody looking for Jesus mistakenly enters their doors. So God is more long-suffering towards them. The ones he will destroy they are in two categories. One of, of all of them are calling the name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Alright? The first group they are. Real born again, or at least used to be Christians, who for the love of money have corrupted their ministries. They should get ready for divine judgment. They are the first. The second group are those who desire to play with fire. The Bible says, can a man carry fire in his bosom and not be burned? One man did not read his Bible once. I saw him play with fire. He was doing, you know, this one, putting fire on the body. The Bible didn't say, if you put your fire on your body, will you want to be, be burnt? The Bible said, no. He said, if you put it where? In your bosom. The guy st- stuck the things. <laughs> one day he said, you know they read your Bible. <laughs> the next day the guy ran off the stage while his whole pattern was on fire. <laughs> I felt like said, bros, they warned you, a man cannot carry fire in his bosom and not be burnt. <laughs> The Lord is good. Now, like I said, that just by the way. Now, so, these people are the ones who just went to church. You know, the sons of Skiva. You know those sons? Yeah. Yes. We adore you. Say, open the church, and we adore you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. You don't know the Jesus? just know that Paul had a church down the road, and that's how he's been getting results. They opened their own church, and say, There's no need to continue our other form of uh, sorcery. It's not working. This one works. I've seen Paul minister. This thing works. It's just the name of Jesus. Just call it. Just call it. That one, God will unleash those same demons on them. You see, all the poverty people came there to pray away. We entered their own lives. Did you hear what I said? No, this is what I said. I'm not joking. There are people who will open big churches and be calling big names in the name of Jesus so that they can do things. People will bring problems. They will cast those problems out in the name of Jesus. And those demons will turn on them and afflict them with those problems. And God will be looking and say, you can't play with fire and not be burned. If you are like that, you are listening to me. That's why your child has been sick for some time. That's why none of your children is normal. They have one problem after the other. It is because you are playing with fire. You are being burnt. Just shut the place down. You are inviting spirits. I told you the story of one young man in here in Enugu, who used to fast for people. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, he used to fast for people, help you fast. Oh, you didn't hear what I said? It was a contractor. <laughs> ah, I'm very, very serious. So when you go to a prophet, and the prophet says, this is your problem, it's a tough one. It requires seven days of fasting. Then they break the fast and pray at the end. You mamies are funny. They will not say, I don't have time. I have exam, or I have to travel. I have business. I have to go to work. So this young man will come and say, how many days the prophet say? He seven days. The guy can charge you something like 2000 a day. So you give him 14000 for seven days fast. And he really will fast, though. You will not eat. Make a break at four pm for you. Five depends on how much you pay. Can break. <laughs> what I'm telling you is very serious. <laughs> when I heard the story, I said, "Oh boy, try!" I said, "Where is he?" They say he's dead. <laughs> I said, "Yes and no." I said, "Where is the guy?" They say he has died. I said, "Yes, he will die. You don't play with fire, and you will not be burnt." People are bringing their problems, they are doing their urukuruku in occultic ways, but pretend to be Christians, and you are the intermediary faster. <laughs> of course, the demons just got angry one day, just all of them. All of the clients donated one demon each. They beat the life out of him. He fell sick and he died. God has the sons of Skiva. One demon, seven sons. Seven demons, one person. What do you think will happen? One demon beat the seven sons of Skiba, removed all their they couldn't get away. He removed their clothes, made sure they went out naked. Now turn it around. If seven demons not depend descend on one person, of course they killed the young man. They literally killed the young man, he died. When I heard that story, I said, Where is he now? They said he's dead. I said, Okay, I, it makes a lot of sense. He will die. People don't get it. He was gonna die. Second group that the Lord will judge. There are those ones that are playing. He has to. He has to. He will just shut down their, church, you know, their whole assembly. Everything. He would destroy them very well, for the glory of his name. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. I tell you, if you want to do no false religion, don't call his name. Don't call his name. Say I'm the Gudu Gudu Gada Gada from Seven Mountains. Open a church. Don't worry. People will come. And they'll call you, the. Most Reverend Gudu Gudu Gada Gada. Then it will just become a new slang in town. You see, boys put it they post the post the, the 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 T-shirt in front will be Gudu Gudu, behind it will be what Gada Gada, and they'll be walking around town feeling very happy, you know, bouncing man. Why? Because you know how to motivate them. Maybe you can only do small juju, small money, medicine, small small things to produce small things for them. Boys, they will follow you. Just leave the name of Jesus alone, because one day in jealousy he's going to arise and defend his name. Tell me the truth. He will arise, and he will defend his name. And he has to defend his name by removing people. He has to prove that these people are liars. I began this trying to tell you something. Don't be alarmed when it begins. Don't be alarmed. Just know that you hear that it's going to happen. But like a, like the Bible will say, he like said when he hears these things happen, Look up. Why? The salvation or redemption draws near. Now I'm telling you now. When you see something begin to happen, some people say, hey, "What will happen to the church?" God said, "This is now. You. It's now you will see what they call church." Say so now you will see what I call church. Say so what you've been seeing. When I began to move, people got distracted. The Lord is about to come. Large numbers we gather. Then we focused. You know what happened? On that number. And said, when the spirit is moving, the multitudes gather, and young young boys will leave there to go and start ministry. And if the multitudes don't gather; they are not satisfied. Did God gather the multitude the first time? Yes, He did. He did by Himself. But He said, "That's not me." When I said, "That's not me," I am not multitude, because when Jesus used to move around, multitude, no the multitude also used to follow Him troubles. But you know what the Bible said? He looked at them. He did not trust them one bit. He refused to commit himself to them. He would see the multitudes gather. He will disappear. His disciples will locate where he went to. Then they would sit around him and he would begin to teach them. He never taught the multitude. He spoke to them in parables all the time. He used to try and escape from the multitude. Then we glorified the fact that the multitude was attached to us. They came to him, Master, ah, Baba, Pastor, how now? He looked at them. They are looking for food. Bread no go kill you, yeah? here. That's what he told them. He said, don't labor for the food that perishes. You know, Christians labor for food that perishes. One day, one man, I saw him testify, he said, since I joined this ministry, I used to have one suit, now I have four suits. I looked at him, he was not a Nigerian, but I was working for a Nigerian ministry in London. See this ministry, I used to have this amount of money and I have this amount of money. This ministry is really anointed. (laughs) The ministry is scattered the following year. You understand? I don't know what happened to his suits and the other things. I don't know. He was laboring for the food that was? That perishes. That's what he was doing. He was laboring. So that's what happened. We got distracted. We got distracted. Because rocks were breaking, we got distracted. Because fire was burning, we got distracted. Because the wind was blowing, we got distracted. Yes, the presence of God caused those things. Either directly or indirectly. When I say directly, I mean that the very movement of God caused those things to go ahead. Maybe. Or, the Lord allowed Satan to know. And he said, let me go and distract them. Distract this Elijah. I don't know. But whatever it is, the presence of God caused those activities. But, Elijah was careful to note that is not what the Lord is doing. In the midst of the noise, he will close his ears, let the noise die down. When the rock is breaking, he will hide in one place, let the rock finish breaking. When the fire is burning, he will step out of the line of the fire, let the fire stop burning. Then afterwards he will say, Lord, where are you? And then he will hear a quiet movement somewhere. You see, that's where the Lord is speaking. And he rushed to go and hear what God is saying. People don't rush to hear what God is saying. They rush to observe what God is doing. No matter what He is doing, watch out for what He is saying. The doing does not bless you. It is what He is saying that transforms your life. That's what transforms your life. People gather to come and see what God is doing. You know, people will go. <laughs> you know redemption camp. I'll C C G. My friend told me when they went there, one woman arrived, sat down, cooked for her children herself, they ate. Then she brought out the mat, laid it down, and said, brother, when Papa starts praying, please wake me up. Do you hear it, said, That when Papa starts praying, wake me up. You arrived, you chop. Yeah, you reclined your soul. Then told a jobless man, because you must think he's jobless. That he should be monitoring the prayer session for you. All these praise worship session don't concern me. All the teaching session doesn't matter to me. Even when Papa is teaching, don't disturb me. But when he wants to start praying, just stop me. Say, pray I the not They came to see what God is doing, not what he's saying. People are looking for what God is doing. Meanwhile, what he wants is for them to hear what he's saying. That was what Elijah had. Be, be careful of distractions in this year's life. As this year is coming to an end, be careful of distractions. Oh, you know, in Enugu, there's this kind of distraction we used to have in December. Fine cars. I know, we're in December now. Just give us two more weeks. The finest cars in America, they will be in Enugu. If I think I should go out and go and watch out for a Bugatti, because somebody must drive a Bugatti then. They will just drive dick. That is, oh, every December. It doesn't distract me. It just interests me. (laughs) It's the young girls that I feel sorry for. Then January, some girls have married idiots. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's that's why I talk about distraction. Check that December, okay? Now, look, it happens all the time, so I don't need to go and check. Just look by January will have been distracted by a shiny vehicle. So the guy is going back, he wants to quickly marry. (laughs) How foolish can an adult be and still survive? He's going back, he wants to quickly marry. Who does he think he is? And who exactly? Jesus Christ or something? (laughs) Now you see me, now you don't see me again. guys actually get wives who will gladly go. And then a few of those wives, well, God bless them like that to give thanks for their life. But most of them, some, as it's four years, five years, don't see the guy again. The one that used to so annoy me is that some don't even see him again ever. You can meet somebody on Monday, marry him on Friday. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is, is what is his qualification for that? To pull that kind of effect on you, what is it? The car he drove and the country he came from. Are you normal? If that's it, the car he drove to come and the country he came from. Anyway, nobody here is like that in Jesus' name. Nobody here. You came here this evening. God, make sure you will not be like that. So I want to pray for some people who are like that. Who just mistakenly tune in this evening. I pray for you, you will not be distracted.
1: Amen.
0: You will not be distracted. Amen. By the vanities of life, you will not be distracted this December. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'm praying for some young women there. And some young men too. Some young men are that foolish. One man came to my wife one day. He used to, to work for my wife, said that uh, an old friend of his wants to help his son go abroad. What, that, um, what the advice does my wife have? I looked at him and said, Your friend, when last you see him? I've not seen the guy in like fifteen or 18 years. And you met him last week and he wants your son to follow him abroad. How else do you think they recruit people who carry drugs? And he was interpreting it as breakthrough. If you see what people interpret as breakthrough, sometimes I say, Father in heaven. Your son is in school, he has not graduated though. Then your friend of fifteen years ago says, Ah, he wants to go abroad, he wants to just help the boy go abroad. What would the boy do when he has gone abroad? You have no idea. For those who don't know, those who do that a lot, they carry 20 young men like that. The police, wherever they are going, will catch 10. doesn't concern them. If only 5 out of 10 make it across, they've made a few hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. So a lot of boys who are in prison, girls too, somebody just wanted to help them go abroad. And they thought it was God. I came here this evening again to tell you it is not God. It's called a distraction. It's a trap. Not every door that's open is a good door. Many of them are traps. Just a tip. If anybody's horning you concerning anything, telling you take it now, I give it to somebody. Tell the person my pastor said, I must wait small. That is a test that's my own. If you give it to somebody else successfully, it's not mine. If I was getting impatient with you, tell I don't even want again. Many people have gotten business deals that ruin them like that. Just wait you, say, "Make this contract, this contract quickly, quickly." Ah, you know, you got, you sell your house, sell everything, execute the contract. That was eight years ago. You've not seen the payment. Just by the way, you now I keep on dropping small, small things. By the way, anything you don't do normally, don't do it in a hurry, and don't do it big. Is Israel, is there everything we must teach people? Maybe they don't know. Anything you don't do normally, don't do in a hurry and don't do big. No matter how nice it is. Somebody says, ah, this season now, can you supply rice? <laughs> the only rice you know before is the one you eat. There's only you you you've gone to let me not call the name of some of these companies. Okay, let's You've gone to Palo, microfinance, to borrow money. I just gave you a name, you know, just a microfinance. You, you borrowed three million naira, five million naira, you bought rice, you have supplied. Anyway, everybody must learn in life. That's your way of learning. Three Christmases later, we'll still be discussing this matter. See, some people there, they are criminals. They are going around looking for who to steal from. I want you to know that. One of the ways they do is they tell you supply. They will collect the mo- rice, right, so go and use it to do big man. Come and collect the money now. Anything that looks like quick money, you know, Pastor Kemuta has been warning you. Hate quick money. I am on his side, though. Say Me, Pastor. After this, I know I'm going to hit it big. What you don't know is what you will hit big. You are going to hit a rock. <laughs> There's a rock you're about to jump big. I know what I'm telling you. When they come, say, please come and supply into me. Tell them say, bros, not a chop where I know. Let's be honest. So I have a friend. Their their uncle is a major distributor. Let me go and introduce you. He said, No, I want to give you the job. Say, I can't do it. But if you have been trading normally, you know the reason why? There are little little things inside. Business that you think a business is simple. You understand? It's because you're not you're not doing it. If you are doing it, there are those who know you all look and say, <laughs> you all look at you and say, this one. They say markup on each one is how much if you invest ten thousand, you make like one five on each one and say eh, who's paying the transport? You look like say eh. By the time you are crossing from here to a point, there's this particular fee they pay at that junction at that corner, who pays it? It's it charged by KG. You say eh, is that so? You say wait now. By the time you read this place, by the time they finish calculating, they say, bros, on 10,000, the profit is usually 250. Hmm. You the microfinance man is charging you 1,000 on each 10k that he gave you. So they tell you simply, it's not a good business. That's why they're offering it to you. Those of us that do it, we refuse them that that markup is too small. Let me summarize what I've said. Anything you don't do normally, don't do it in a hurry. And don't do it big. Why did, I, why did I say don't do it at all? Because sometimes it may happen that it's the beginning of a new thing for you. So start is what? Little by little. You learn along the way. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All the time. I've said so many things today. And I know where I lost my way. You know, when you are moving somewhere, you just take a wrong turn. I know where I took a wrong turn. All right? Not really a wrong turn, but a turn to say many things to people. I know where. I know where. We're talking about Distractions. The word of God along the line. I tried to explain again and again how, why we must be careful of those distractions. And if where I went into that is so where I was explaining that Elijah was very, very careful. He was very careful. And where I went into that is that I was saying to us, now that's actually where I took off the, from. I'm just going back bit by bit until I get back there. That listen, hoping in the word of God sometimes, remember I was saying that, can put upon you what? Strong burden. You know, responsibilities of disappointment. You start hoping for things, and they are not happening yet. Okay, it happens. It happens with hoping on God's word. But I was saying that that is what the temptation is to take our eyes away from those things. It was along the line that I now mentioned the fact that let's just bear in mind, because if you if you if you hold on throughout the times of temptation, the time of distractions, the time of things, I want to take your eyes away from that particular word that you are holding on to then there will be an outbreak, so to speak, of the power of God into your life. And that's why I talked about, you know, along the line, I began to say things concerning what God is going to do in Nigeria. That is going to judge, cleanse his people, and then his people being the church, really, please. By the time you see these things begin to happen, they know that, you know, that redemption we spoke about is near. God is not going to lead that redemption until he has judged his own people and cleansed those who call upon his name. Let me say it again. Those things we have hoped for, those things we have prayed for. You want Nigeria to be a peaceful and, you know, lovely place, prosperous and all of that. They will not happen until the Lord will have done, you know, will have been complete with judging his own people. Until he has scattered things that we thought were his and so that he can bring out from the midst of them those that are truly his. He must do that first. Many of us are trying to hold that back. And when we are praying, we don't want it to happen. God said, no problem. If you say don't do it, I will wait. But then so will I suspend also. The other things you ask for, oh, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. All right, let's bear that in mind. So, did you read that thing I wanted us to read? I was in my mind. Psalm one one nine. I want us to read from verse forty nine. Now, this was what I had. This was what I had planned to start with, but of course, it's not an unusual thing for me to go that way before getting there. But let me see how much of it we can say. It says, "Remember the word to thy servant." In which, are you there? 119? Verse 49, yes. Remember the word to thy servant, in which thou hast made me hope. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that thy word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from thy law. I have remembered thine ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. That is as my comfort. I remember your ordinances. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake thy law. Thy statutes are my songs, and the house of my pilgrimage, which is on this earth. O oh Lord, I remember thy name in the night, and keep thy law. This has become mine that I observe thy precepts. You remember your promise to me, it is my only hope. That's New Living Translation. The one I read earlier is the older version of New American Standard. And it was saying that this word is what you have made me hope upon. David was explaining. Now, please bear this in mind. Now, before I say that, it is my comfort in my affliction. That is, I have something I'm looking forward to, which we talked about earlier. And that one we have to be careful about is being distracted from that word. You see what David is saying to us here. He said that burning indignation, verse 53 has seized me because of the wicked, who forsake thy law. I want to bring out something here. Now it's just a thought, but I believe that it's probably what David was saying, but at least it's very applicable to the situation, that this wicked he's talking about are not those who never knew the law of God. They are those who did what? He says, who, He said, burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked." Who forsake thy law. These people, now when you use the word forsake in this situation, the way it rings in my ears is that they knew the law, they knew the instructions. In fact, at the beginning, they hoped in the promise. We've talked about it before. The Word of God has a number of aspects. Number one, of course, one of them is what? The promises. Then we have the precepts, we have the commandments, you know, and we have the testimonies, and then the ordinances, all right? Now, so, when he said in the first one, in verse 49, remember the word to thy servant, that is thy word. If you read a version like New New Living Translation, you will use the word promise. Remember your promise. Now, that promise gave me an expectation. It kept my eyes waiting for something. Now, please notice this. I said earlier that the word of God puts a demand on us. It puts a burden, I said. Now, one of the burdens he puts is a burden of obedience to his instructions or his precepts. Now, so, for example, a man like Abraham, he had the word, I will make you great, I will make your name great, I will bless you materially exceedingly. Do you understand? So, because of that, anywhere he went, he was careful that people would not be able to say, I made Abraham rich, because God has said, I will make you rich. I hope you're getting my point. So if a man called him and said, Abraham, you know, this Mesopotamia, or whatever it was at that time, it's a a difficult place, but we can help you out. We can really help you out. We're going to make you very rich. As soon as you are saying that, Abraham's like, no. Somebody else has offered to do the job. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's happened to me before, you know, just physically speaking. Somebody called me and said, hey, Banky, please, I need to see you. No, this is the thing I want to do. You are involved. Let me help you out. And about three weeks before that, somebody has called and said, ah, this matter, let me help you uh, handle your own issues. You understand? So when this other man called, I said, I'm going to see one big man. He will solve this for me. But I just felt that, hey, you are in the same situation. Should he handle yours too? Do you get my point? So I said to him, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I didn't tell him the reason I couldn't because the, my discussion with the first person was quite, quite confidential. So I couldn't tell. I just said, no, don't worry about it. You know, I just, just said it. But the issue was that somebody else had what? Oh, not just offered now, had already taken up the responsibility. So I couldn't now, you know, it was going to be one kind, you know, just, this is just a physical matter, just a temporal matter, It matters of this earth. All right. Not a big deal. That was some time ago. So the same thing. A man comes to Abraham. This time around is God. God said, I will help. You know, I was even dealing with a situation where the human being could fail. Oh, yeah, I was. But Job was a, a matter of personal integrity. I just felt that no, me and this guy were handling this matter. I can't seem to be going above him. I, mean, do I, you know, I just didn't want to disrespect him. He was a senior person to me. Do you understand? Now, this is where I'm going. So imagine those kind of people, they'll come to Abraham and say, Let us, let's help you. And Abraham would have to turn them down. Obedience to God, that's how it is. That's how it starts. It's with hope. Is it God will take care? I, want, I don't want to. Abraham got to a particular point in time. He worked hard for something by himself. The law said you could have it. But he said, this man, the king of Sodom, I know his mouth. He will say, I made Abraham rich. So Abraham turned down everything. He said, I don't want you to be able to say, I made Abraham rich holding on to God's promises puts constraints on you. One major problem with Christianity is that people don't get that point. They think going to church is doing God a favor. We come to church now so you must bless us. So we go out any other thing we do overlook. No, once you start going to church, once you start discovering the word of God, it starts putting constraints on you. It starts putting const it starts telling you where you can't go, what you can't do the kinds of people you can't associate with, the kind of jobs you can't take, the kind of contracts you cannot agree to execute, sometimes they will not look so overtly bad. They will come and say, eh, see, we know you're a Christian, so we're not going to get you involved in this matter directly. But this job, eh, the government has built one billionaire for it. You are going to do it. We know you are very good, all right? But real value is no more than 200 million. All right, so we are going to give you two fifty, but you have to sign. You no, know, because of our involvement with the government thing now, we really cannot put our names in. So what you are going to do is to just help, just help us put a bid in. Right? Okay, let's have your bid. Don't even put your name. We'll do the rest. Then when we are done, we'll pay you two fifty. Don't worry about the seven fifty. So why are you telling me about it? And just so that you will sign, that is uh, one billion. You know. There are different ways to, to talk about. I see it is not me. Me, I I'll do my things clean. I told them it's two hundred and fifty. I'm doing it. I, 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 you know, you're stammering and explaining away. Sometimes you just look and say, "I know on that two fifty million, I will pocket nothing less than eighty. I'll do a fantastic job for one seventy. They pay me for two. And listen, the." the state will benefit from it because I will do it with excellence. And I will pocket nothing less than 80. And I don't have to settle anybody because the boys are settled themselves. That's, you could reason like that. Or you could just look and say, is this not what we are praying should discontinue in this country? Yes, this has to discontinue. Guys, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And you start your old motto. Guys, let me push on small meetings. <laughs> They will help you roll it down, and it takes off. And you get home, your wife says, "Sonny, I know the money will have been good, but there are things that will just remove our ability to pray. I know we are not directly stealing from anybody, but we are indirectly helping them steal. Let's leave it. That's Christianity. You know, getting. You know, let me tell you something about God. Eh? Once you get involved with him, your life is not the same again. Your life is not the same again. He puts constraints on the things that you can do, the things you can't do. Look at David here. He said, you give me a promise. You have caused me to hope in it. You know, let me give you an example, which is something you've heard me say many times. If you are one of the intercessors for Nigeria, there are things that you will find hard to do. Not because they are evil. For example, people will say things like, Ah, let me go have my children abroad. You know, when, you're, when you when your children abroad, you're going to you know, start talking. And your spirit will say, there's no problem. I will not kill you for you, You do not go to hell fire for it. You. Your child will be blessed. You will be safe. Your wife will be okay. I mean, Azumi is a man now. They will be all right. But just know, you have caught your faith in what I'm able to do. In the, Now, nothing wrong with you if you're Bolivian, and maybe you're Peruvian, or maybe you're even from Zambia. But if you're, <laughs> like an example, Nigerian, and you've been praying even you're Zambia, but you've been praying, there are times you just go will just say, it's about your prayer we are talking here. Yeah. And anyone you do, in quote, in quote, now, you won't say anything. You will just overlook it. But there, there's one you do, you don't say, but in this particular area, I have to drop the, the power in your intercession by 90%. And instruction is given to the angels. Mark him down by 90. So it gets 10% for the same effort that he used to put in and get a hundred. Uh, you know, what's happening is that we are all adding to a particular, you know, crucible of prayer, which is being weighed, you know, and when the necessary amount of prayers have been offered, then certain things will be triggered. They say when the, you know, when the clouds are full, they pour forth rain upon the earth. So the ful- fullness of those things will produce rain upon the area. Now, I'm talking about those things that have been prayer. Okay? So it's not just the length of prayer that you offer, but the kind of heart, the kind of faith that is speaking when you are praying. So sometimes we take actions, we take decisions like that, and we have said to God, mark me down by 90, 50%. We do that every day. We do that every day. There are things you do, you get 100% for your prayer all the time. There are things you do, you you cut them down by 50%. You understand that's why you have to be careful. Your actions are not, you know, the problem with Christians sometimes that we think that God is just looking for sin. This is sin. People come ask, this is a sin or it's not a sin. You know why? They are thinking, if I do this one, I go to hell. If I don't do it, I go to heaven. That's what they are concerned about. But let me tell you, for a committed believer who holds on to his or her faith in Christ Jesus, don't worry, you're not going to hell. That's not what we are concerned about. What we are concerned about is how effective will your life be on the earth for God? How much of Christ-likeness will you succeed in achieving by the time your time on this earth, which is a purification zone, by the time your time on this earth is over, how much will you have achieved? That's what we are saying. So that's why we're not just looking for, is this a sin, is not a sin. We are saying, how much of my faith will be compromised by this? That's what we are saying. Will this improve my spirituality in reality? That's what we're discussing. It's not just, is this a sin or is not a sin? Because you take certain actions, and that's it. Your faith is not as powerful as it used to be. And now, back to what we're seeing. David said, we began with the word in which God has caused us to hope. I was explaining what he meant in that verse um, 53. About those who forsake the law. The problem is that one of the things you have to endure when it comes to hoping in the word Disappointment. That's one of the things you have to endure. Like Elijah, seven times, you know, for Elijah it was prayer at a spot. For people like Daniel, it wasn't prayer at one spot, it was prayer for weeks that was going on. And a man like Daniel, the fullness of the manifestation of his prayer, he did not even see. God had to console him with visions. I hope you're getting my point. The Lord had to console him with visions. So many of the things that you see in the book of Daniel, they were visions of consolation. God gave them to him personally. He gave them to him personally, not for you or for me, even though in his wisdom, he knew that they would be recorded and we would read them and will would be blessed. But he didn't give them really as like, um, okay, this is a message. And that's why the Jews, even though they respected Daniel, even Muslims respect Daniel, The Jews respected Daniel extensively, but his book was not included in the book of the prophets. If you know the way the canon of scriptures of the Jews are arranged, they are in three parts. They have the law, the prophets, and the prophets are in two groups, the former prophets and the latter prophets. What you call prophets minus Daniel, they call latter prophets. Samuel, 1st King, 2nd, Samuel, for them it's just one book. The book of Samuel, the book of Kings, Joshua, all of those, they are part of the former prophets. But Daniel is conspicuously missing in the prophets entirely. He's neither in the former nor in the latter prophets. So, where is he? In the writings. They group him with Nehemiah, Ezra, yeah, Ezra, Nehemiah, one book, um, with Esther, Daniel, people like that. So you see, now, I'm not going to bring out something here, but God gave him a personal consolation, but because he was such a powerful person, God had to, and to God, you know, you must understand that that vision was as good as done. So Daniel, it was enough for Daniel, what God had done in those visions. Same thing with Abraham. We're not talking about Abraham now. So you see, now when we are praying, I was trying to emphasize, our prayer is not just words, but it's a kind of life we are living. Based on the constraint that the hope in the word of God places upon us. Christianity is not just a bed of roses like they say. It's not. It puts constraints on you. I always like the example of my friend, Pastor Corey. I would like to tell that story. Tension everywhere. People said, listen, listen. Come, we have a place for you and your family. Get out from where things are hot. Up north where he is. At the particular time when crisis seems to be brewing. He said I can't do that. I'm a pastor. They said okay, pastor, you can stay, but give us your wife, give us your children. We'll take care of them while you stay. We understand you're a pastor. You know, sometimes I, I, I have respect for some pastors. I don't care I mean, what I mean by that respect not negative respect. To. That is, you take actions, and I feel like asking them, do you know what you are saying to the congregation, not what you are preaching by your Second Corinthians, chapter five, on the Sunday morning. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Is what is your life saying? Small digression. If you're a leader, especially when you're a minister, your life talks more than your words. Your life speaks much more than your words utter. Just bear that in mind. It's just short digression. So I told the people, say, I'm sorry. There are other wives and other children also in the church. That was his own concern. Again, digression. <laughs> God helps you do what is right sometimes by giving you reasons apart from directly himself to do them. I don't know whether you are getting my point. There are times God helps you do what is right. Not because of him. You know, there's something about God that we all know. We love him, amen. Yeah. Do we want to hurt him? No. But we know he will heal. <laughs> Did you said? If I if I hurt God, eh? we'll he there. Will he go to hell? Will he affect his prosperity? Will he become depressed? Will he need to see a doctor? Okay, I've broken his heart. Won't he mend it back? He's not the great healer. Physician, heal thyself. Can he not heal himself? As much as we fear God, let's be honest, we don't feel sorry for him at all. Even me, I'm telling you, I don't feel sorry for him. How can you feel sorry for Dan Goethe that he lost a millionaire? I don't like what people are doing to Dangote. They just stole a bag of cement. <laughs> no, just think about it. If you see, if you get home one day, your, your, your dad is just sitting down there, he's unhappy. Because Dangote is his friend. What happened? Last week, last week some of his workers were angry. They left and they stole two tr- trucks. Do you know how much one Dangote truck is? You say, I don't know. You say, sixty million naira. Uh, Said so daddy, how many did they steal? Two. 120 million. Mm. Is that naira or dollar? Say, naira. You touch your father's body whether it's hot, because <laughs> only a man with a fever <laughs> will be sorry that a man like that <laughs> lost two trucks. He better be sorry about other things. That's how much I feel sorry for God sometimes. About things. I feel sorry for him, but like not really like that. <laughs> I say, sorry, oh. So our Father who art in heaven, you he lost two mountains. Make two planets to compensate yourself. That's how I think about it. And God knows I do I doesn't have any anger towards that. He's understanding. He doesn't have any anger towards me. He knows. He's a bank, he Knows me very well. I said, Lord, yes, I do. <laughs> That's why he personally equated, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. He equated, Jesus said, the second commandment is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's why. That's what I have told you is the reason why. Because if we thought of him alone, there are many things we won't give a damn when we do. Yes? What I want to say will make you laugh. No, you make you wonder kind of crazy person I am. But I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes, when I think about some things, it's harder for me to hurt my wife than to hurt God. Why? Because he will heal. Now, listen, let me clearly say it. I'm not, they are not in the opposition. I don't mean you either hurt God or hurt your wife. If one action will affect both of them, the one that constrains me more is how it affects my wife. Okay, let me give an example. If he said that I shall not commit adultery, did David not commit adultery? Who suffered? Did God suffer? Who suffered? David. David. So if I commit adultery, now I'm going to suffer. Now we didn't concern God inside. They're not catching what I'm saying. But, what will it do to my wife? What will it do to those who listen to me? They say, have you heard Pastor Vanky too? (laughs) The fear... Now, listen to me. Not fear of them. The fear for them, my wife, and those who believe the word that I preach, and I'm leading in righteousness. I will say something that will make you laugh. And I'm not kidding. These days, and I understand... When Jesus says, some have become eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. Listen. That's why I tell God, don't worry about him. He will heal. Because I know some of you will think like that. So that's why I give another commandment. On the same level, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why I'm tired of people who like to give to God. Because you are giving to somebody who lacks nothing. Who opened his mouth and even laughed at your gift and said, if I were hungry, will I tell you? That's why I'm not excited like I'm giving to God. Giving to God? Does it look like it needs something? He said, Pastor Bankley, don't you give? Now, you are catching me what I'm trying to say. I give to people. I give to causes. And in that process, I give to God. But to say, it doesn't... You must understand what he wants. He said, my son, give me your heart. Once I have given him my life, which I have done already, already, every other thing, if he didn't take it by himself, I'm not going to bother to hurry to give it to him. What do you give to? I think of his people that can't manufacture food out of nothing. If they are hungry, it has to come physically. Do you follow my point? I have parents, both my mother and my parents-in-law, who must be honored. And I know the honor is... Listen, when you are supposed to be honored, hmm? if you are too small, you don't know what they call honor yet. When you are due for honor, if you don't get it, you may not complain. But when you get it, it's so sweet. Oh, it is so sweet. So that's why he said his son honors his father. So if I'm giving in some areas, it's not about how God feels. I know how people feel. I know what it means to be hungry. And a lot comes in. You know, you just did this. Father, we worship you. Father, you're just worshiping you in faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. I'm praying. Father, we worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Then, oh, Amen, Jesus' name, Amen. God of me, miracle, now <laughs> you were worshiping before. Then suddenly, God of miracle is suddenly your papa. You can't see the difference. You worship suddenly, mm, and let me tell you the truth: one of the beautiful things about your name in heaven is that your actions provoke praise. Now, keep on saying that. 1 while we we're praying, I tell you, look, mention this person's name in Thanksgiving. Thank God for him. Thank God for her. It's important in heaven that your actions provoke praise. They say, why is that guy? She be that guy I worship it just now. Which time you put David Dick dance inside. He said, Lord, Andrew just sent him something. They are lads hit. Say, he say, Andrew na better picking. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Reprogram your mind from this giving so I can get thing. Reprogram your mind. Reprogram your mind from those things. Do. Reprogram your mind. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God at all. Listen, let me see my message. So, just talking about the money thing. So, when I give, as a Christian, I'm talking about as a believer, if I give, it's not about, somebody say, mm, God smells... A sweet smelling savour. Ever since Jesus died, there's no cow you want to kill that doesn't smell bad. There's none. You know what God, when you now kill cow now, you know what God smells? Rotten flesh. Yeah, rotten flesh. That's what he smells. Once Jesus died, that was the sweetest smell ever. Any sacrifice that tries to pretend like that is rejected. But you know what it really smells in heaven till now? That real praise that's provoked, like I said, by your actions. So what we are giving to God, forget that, you know, we're not trying to impress him directly anymore. No. He's pleased. Now, I, I want to do that trying to say something, you know. I take a lot of digression because I know these things, with, these snippets we drop here and there help people in different areas. So that's why I, I can control myself. I just refuse to. That self-control, I don't want to use it. To it it hinder my ministry, amen. But God, God has given me a skill. You know the skill? How to go back to where I took off from. Back to what I was saying. I went from to dad when David was saying, you No, know, I've been analyzing what David said for some time. Which is what? Verse 53. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake thy law. I was trying to explain. God many times gives us another reason to do what is right rather than just looking at him directly because he knows sometimes. It takes a lot of faith. I'll be honest with you. you Who does not know God can see everything? Is there any Christian that doesn't know that there's no way I can hide from God? No, answer me. Why did they still sin behind it? Is theoretically, it sounds so simple. That God sees me no matter what I'm doing. He knows what's inside my heart. Then why would we, do, I, do we still do those things? I'll tell you the truth. We really don't care whether he sees or he doesn't see. Because since there's no way to do it on this earth where he will not see, oh god, they look. <laughs> if not. <laughs> that, that's the truth. So one of the things he does is to give us another reason. Because you can't see him, you say, you, believe, you need so much faith. You need so much faith. Sometimes, that's why he just gives us the fear of judgment. See, I caught you last time. I will punish you openly. So next time, <laughs> you, you, you fear open disgrace more than you fear the displeasure of God. You're not say, but hey, so you're being selfish. No, you're not being selfish, truly, even though the selfishness appears like. But the truth is that you need to recognize the judgmental hand of God to fear it. So that you fear the judgmental hand of God is a great credit to your faith. Did you catch that or it's too technically difficult? Yes. So God says, see, you can't see me, so if I was standing physically, you wouldn't do this. No problem. Do it once. I will let you do it. You finish. Good. I will not punish you for it openly. And you will know I did it. So next time, for the fear of what I will do to you next time, you will, pre- you, you will behave. So the fear of me, really, literally, some people say they fear God. That's why I told that fear of God is not reverence. Oh, I just worship him. I don't want to make him feel bad. We really don't care whether he feels bad or he does, or he doesn't. The real reverential fear of God, I will tell you the truth, is David. David said, I thought because I had fought so many battles for, the, for, for God, because he, was, he only was God's warrior. Yeah, you know David was God's warrior. He was. He fought His battles were not his battles. They were God's battles. What David was doing was fighting the battles of God. Every land that God said he would give to the people of God, he went after it and took it. Part of what happened to him was that he just started feeling too pally-pally with the Lord. He started feeling like God owes me, something. He's been good to me. That's it. Lord, I've preached everywhere. You know how many places I've been? I've denied myself for you and all of that. So if I just do small, one small bat, you go, you go forgive now. Abba. You are, you are owing me, you know. The creditors are on my side. These are the little unspoken things that make us misbehave the way we do. Which is why, again, digression. I tell pastors, stop preaching to people to entrench them in self-righteousness. They will be punished one day. They will be punished one day. When you give them the impression that because of what you have done, look at the things you have done, you have given, you have done, you have prayed, ah, God must bless you. You entrench them in self-righteousness and they will be judged. Let them always have this attitude of there is more to do for the Lord. There is more to do for the Lord. They never feel self-righteous. They are always feeling that there is more to do to please the Lord. It's a better way to live. And that's why God had to tell David. David, I will show you Pepe. If you like, conquer the whole world for me. You openly and blatantly disobeyed me. I will show you pepe. When God was done with David the first time, 1,000 Bathsheba's couldn't come near him again. After that, he feared God. Before he thought he feared God. After that, he realized that Ah, the more I did for God, the more I was supposed to walk straight. He doesn't owe me anything. Now look at how I'm tarnishing his name. That was what God told him. Say, so Bank, there are things you'll we'll have done 15 years ago, just between me, you, and your wife. But now you do them now. It's between me, you, your wife, your children, Israel, Felix, Okimuthi, Inka, Jonathan, John. You start counting all of them. See the see, see number of people involved now. And it's he's counting. He keeps counting. He keeps counting. He said, Enugu don't finish. The angel said, no, but let's jump to another city. He goes about to Abakuliki. goes to Benin. He goes to worry. He starts counting. He goes to worry. He counts. He said, ah, Lord, should we count on Twitter? God said, count on Twitter. How many followers? <laughs> Bank, you see, your life is no longer your own. If you sneeze wrongly, Nami sneeze wrongly. I want to say you something that will make you laugh. Just it's a joke. Oh. <laughs> One day I was coming from Newe. I got to a I was pressed badly, so I found where to park. I said I park. Now one of us start parking front. Pastor, any problem? I said there's no problem. I <laughs> All the pressure disappeared. I drove from Oka to Enugu like that. I said, Don't do, let's be going home. Let's <laughs> ah, not even take a leak again. I said, there's no problem. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> listen, David had to learn the fear of God. What many of us think means, implies that we are now big people of God. God said, no, it's called responsibility. Harsher judgment. David said, listen to me. He said, born in indignation and seized me because of the wicked who forsake their law. Why did they forsake? That's what I'm making. Now, i just talking about Constraints, not to forsake. Why you have to you know, be careful? But why did people forsake? Because the, the word was slow in being fulfilled. So many times, people just walk away, and they discourage not just themselves but other people. Their own personal discouragement has been a discouragement. Now becomes a discouragement for multitude, for multitudes who will otherwise would have used their lives as an example to follow God. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, let me tell you. These are the kind of people that God is looking for. People who we, despite their own personal disappointments, because the, for what I wanted to preach today, well, let me just leave it here, and i do not getting there much. I was going to explain that we are supposed, that, that's why we picked this scripture, to build our hope on the word, not on any other thing. Our hope must not be built on the country we live in. Therefore, the disappointments of the nation cannot disappoint us. Do you get my point? Because it's built on the word. What we are asking for is that is for the word to change the environment, not for the environment to fulfill the word in our lives. I hope you're getting my point. It is the word of, in us when are lives grow so big that we force change into the environment. So no matter what I've seen, did David hope in the word? Yes, sir, it's simple. There's no catch. Did David hope in the word of God? Yes. He now said, this is my comfort in my affliction. That means the man was still afflicted. Do you follow my point? The fact that he had hope in God's word did not immediately remove all afflictions. He was still afflicted. He said, "But my hope fixed in the word is the comfort in my affliction." Not in experiences, but a hope fixed in the word. Let me just end it here. So what's God saying? Build your life. Build your expectations or gather let your life be a summary of expectations built on the word of God. That's what the Lord is saying. Let your life be a summary of expectations at these different areas. Every time you're expecting something from God because he promised so. And like I said, that begins to put a constraint on you. It puts constraints on you. It doesn't mean life will just be smooth and easy. But first of all, it means there are things you don't do. Let's take an example. We're talking about powerful wealth. You are doing business from the beginning. I said God will be the one to prosper this business. Therefore, from the beginning, I'm careful not to turn God off the business. I, want to be a business. I want it to be a business he likes to visit. I want it to be a business that glorifies his name. I want my practice, whatever it is that I'm doing, to be one that God will be happy to put his name on. Many of us are just looking for, bless me, bless me. Let's start from this angle. Is God happy to put his stamp on this thing? Is he happy? I will send something to you all here last time. That if even if you offered me and said, please, play, bet something, and win money. I say I would not play. Why? Because there is no way. After I have won, I will not discourage young people from hard labor. So sincerely, I say before God, don't bless me like that. There are more honorable ways to bless somebody. Let it even be that uh, uh, I, I bought land and I, I found gold inside the well. Is that not better? To say, ah, I just bought land, though. And I said, what is they dig well? And so they dig two lumps of gold. There's one farmer like that in um, Tanzania. He got two lumps of tanzanite. The, the thing is called tanzanite. It's a rare you know, gemstone. Once he got like $7 million. About a month or two later, I did another one, $4 million. And he's a farmer in a rural area in Tanzania. That's a better way. Say, banking, go to Tanzania, go and do ministry. Then buy land for yourself. Then dig ground small and <laughs> find five lumps of Tanzanite. And I'll sell each one for D <laughs> at $10 million. That's more honorable than to say I was playing bet something. Bet River Benue. <laughs> now I win money. My problem with it, you know, which day was I preaching here? I think it was last Tuesday. Was last day or Saturday? Okay, two Saturdays ago. Yes, I was preaching in here. So I said, no, because I will not be able Look, all young men hustling, the they, they hustle will drop, the betting will rise, and then, as a result, many will be destroyed. And who's responsible? Banking. Because of um, some stupid, senseless blessing, in quotes. So I said to the Lord, clearly, please don't bet me like that. Don't. And in case I mistakenly installed bet something on my phone, may it die. And any company that sells a phone with it pre-installed, I cast them out of my life. An agent of Satan. And if you are listening to me today, that phone on which you have a betting app, I curse it in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Dying, it shall die. Yeah. Unless you uninstall it right now. Yeah. Yes, so you yeah, have begin to install. Right now, right now. Uninstalling right now, right now. You are installing it. Yes, I command it. Uninstall. If you dare me and you leave it installed, try me with an iPhone 10. <laughs> iPhone X, try. Check whether I'm anointed or I'm not. Don't use your. Don't go and use your brother's iPhone. Why? Because the first thing for us must be: Can we take the name of the Lord and put on this? Can we? Is it pure enough to carry His name? We're so all and bless me. No, no, no. Can your, is your life good enough for God to say you are mine? That should be your major concern. First of all, because many people in waiting for, for the blessing, you know what they did? David said they forsook the law. They decided to forsake the commandment. David said, that's not my portion. This has become mine. He said, oh Lord, I remember thy name in the night when things are not working. And even at that time, I keep thy law said, this has become mine, that I observe thy precepts. But you know what that means? That's the only thing I can boast concerning. The business is not making money, thank you very much, but it has not broken the law of God. This has become mine. This is my boast. This is my confidence that I keep your law. I hope you've gotten my point. Let's go home. Let's bow down our heads and give the Lord thanks. Let's take time out to give thanks. The last Tuesday for the year, in so Lord will thank you. Thank you. From the beginning of this year we have met here every Tuesday, even during the lockdown, we're able to stream from this venue. I don't think we have missed up to to, to, you know, maybe one or two. Maybe the earlier part of the maybe one. But we've been streaming even during the period of the lockdown. Every Tuesday we're here sharing the word of God. Pastor Kimunti is here leading us in prayer and preaching, even if the times I wasn't around. But God has kept us and anointed us, giving us a word. Sometimes I come, I preach some things. I say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Listen, I did not plan to say them before I came. You think I, today I was just praying that God was God doing in Nigeria? No. So I began to preach that it was began to come. And I can't restrain the spirit. He quench not the spirit. So let's thank God for the spirit that has been coming forth. Let's give him thanks.
1: Let's continue to thank the Lord for this year, for every school of prayer meetings, Meeting that we've had, let's thank God for the move of the Spirit, for prayers answered, for instructions received, for corrections made. Just give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Indeed, something like all this is changing in you, say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every prayer, Lord, that we offer this year. From this platform, we thank you because you answered. You are answering and you will answer. Give the Lord thanks indeed. Lord, we are grateful. Our hearts are full of thanksgiving. Thank Him. Thank Him. At times we came here to pray for the nation and we saw God answer. Prayed for people, loved ones who were sick and we saw them healed. Let's give the Lord thanks for that. And say, Lord, we thank you. Most importantly, we know how to pray because it is a school of prayer. Of course, the average person here will never insult the government. It is because you lent it. So give the Lord thanks for that. You don't murmur not because there is no pressure on your soul, but because you have lent not to murmur, but rather give thanks that is why you don't murmur. We all go through one form of pressure or the other. But of course, in this year, we learned that in all things, we should give the Lord thanks. So give the Lord thanks and say, Lord, I thank you. For those of us who saw the manifestation of God's power, give the Lord thanks. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Lord, we are grateful. We thank you. For every prayer answered this year, thank you. For teaching us how to pray, Lord, we thank you. For focusing our minds on the kingdom and not on what to eat or what to drink or what to wear, Lord, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. Now, I'd like you to pray this last prayer and say, Lord, help me to hear what you are saying and not to focus on what you are doing. Well, that was the striking point that Pastor made this evening. Lord, help me that I will pay attention to what you are saying and not necessarily what you are doing. What he's doing is supposed to open us to what he's saying. He said to them that I thought that the miracles you saw would have led you to me. You know, when... But he said, but you, you've come again for another fish and bread. Say that would have led you to the world. To have opened your hearts. To say, oh, what, what does this man carry? Oh, let's pray. Say, Lord... Help me not to focus on what you are doing, but let me pay attention to what you are saying. In what he's saying, there lies the instruction, there lies the commandment, there lies the correction. Oh, pray. Say, Lord, in this season, of course there will be noise all over the place. Say, Lord, help me to pay attention to what you are saying. Because that is what you want me to hear. Ask that the Lord will help you do. You've heard a lot this year. You've heard a lot from January till now you've been hearing. Oh, pray and say, Lord, help me to do. Help me to do. Help me to put into practice. By your Spirit. Everybody will pray. Help me to put into practice. Everything I have learned. All the school of prayer you've been coming to. You've been attending. This year. The Lord will demand that you begin to put into practice. Of course, the first thing is to know. Because if you don't know you will not be able to do. In James chapter 4, verse 17, He says, to him that knows what is right to do. So you have to know what is right to do before you do it. And for every school of prayer, the Lord keeps correcting us, keep bringing to our mind what we should do, teaching us, helping us to reprogram our minds. Oh, say, Lord, help me. Everything I have learned this year, help me, help me, because there's going to be pressure, You're going to pass through the tests, but the words that the Lord has impressed in your spirit this year, you'll begin to put into practice. Father, we thank you. Oh, we bless your name. Thank you, Lord, for the new breed of Christians that you are raising. Thank you for those who we pursue hard after you. Thank you, Lord, for every word that you have sent to us this year. For every Tuesday that we gathered, we thank you. For every correction that we made, Lord, that you made, Lord will receive it. Thank you, Lord, for putting us on the path of righteousness. Lord, we bless your name forever. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed.